0: I love that sound. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving entrepreneurs, such as myself, the resources once reserved for big business. Customize it for your needs with a great looking online store that brings your ideas to life and gives you the tools to manage your day-to-day and drive that revenue up. I love how easy they make it for anyone to successfully run their business. Every 28 seconds, a small business owner is making their first sale on Shopify. Get started by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience needed. Go to shopify.com scale all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial. Get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today. Go to shopify.com scale right now. That is shopify.com slash scale. That is shopify.com scale. CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. Today's CFO is critical to the strategy and success of the business. And in growing companies, there are two kinds of CFOs. One, struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes, errors, and lack of visibility into the number. It takes two weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated automated reports, inventory, e-commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly, insights coming with the click of a button. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com/scale for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com/scale. netsuite.com/scale.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. Super excited about today's guest, back from a fresh vacation on the mountains with his son skiing, uh, Pete <laughs> Kazanji, CEO of Atrium. Thank you
2: Pete for for joining us today. I am super pumped to be here, Robbie. Um although I know I must say that like my uh, my sweatshirt is not as snappy as your sweater. I'm uh, I f- hopefully this is only going to be audio.
1: <laughs> it
2: well um, thank for, thank for
1: God there, I'm wearing a loud sweater today it is it is um, quite
2: it is quite good it, it it slaps as the kids say definitely a slapper um,
1: so Pete always like to start with the origin story of you so I'd like to I mine you I think you grew up in the same town or same area as Poya. I could be wrong about that. Tell us a little bit about the childhood. What was it like growing up? Any siblings? And and maybe like
2: what your what your parents did. I grew up in in Orange County, which is like you know fairly anodyne, right? It's not 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 the spiciest uh not the spiciest of dish, but you know as as people would say, it's like you know it's a fine place to raise kids. Um and uh my parents were so yeah so I grew up in Orange County specifically Santa Ana Tustin area. Um, uh, kind of had a, a an eclectic background, which kind of like characterizes how I my approach to sales organizations of like interdisciplinarity around like um, academics and also athletics. So I grew up playing baseball um, for like 15 years, and uh, and then also on. You know, did all the academic decathlon stuff and kind of like you know quiz team yeah super super nerd uh super nerd stuff for sure and then um yeah little brother mike who was four years younger than me um my dad's a you know mechanical engineer by by background aerospace engineer who also ran a, a civil engineering lab at uh in at uc irvine and then my mom is a teacher and then also Professor of Education. He actually taught in the Education Department of Chapman, which is where I think uh, went to undergrad, if I recall correctly. Anyway, so like I think the all of this kind of like points to where I ended up like landing in life, which was like a mixture of um, process, kind of like systems orientation crossed with like a human component and uh, kind of like a persuasive component. Uh, Ended up going to undergrad, like moved up to Northern California to go to undergrad at Stanford and then just kind of ended up hanging out after that Um, and made my way into the tech industry post-graduation. I was initially, it's actually my background is not in sales. Uh, It's in product management and product marketing. My first role in, in technology was at a company called VMware. Um, where I got to work on product management and product marketing for uh, VMware Fusion, VMware Workstation, these kind of like small little products inside the monolith that was VMware, which is kinda like kind of startupy in that regard. VMware Fusion let you run Windows on a Mac. And so and then moved into kind of like um, entrepreneurial tech startups subsequent to that in, in early 2010 timeframe.
1: Very cool. And you started at um, VMware... Like months after the IPO,
2: I think, if I'm getting my dates right. Was it around that time? Might have been before, might have been after. Um, the company was like, yeah, it wasn't super early. I mean, VMware was a really interesting story. Like um, we were talking about before we started, we were talking about coaching trees and and kind of like diaspora. Um, VMware was really a really fascinating story of kind of like an organization that kind of was like bumping around for a while with like VMware Workstation. Um And then really kind of like hit a seam when they were able to figure out how to do uh, bare metal virtualization to allow like multiple workloads to to run on a single single server as opposed to like running multiple virtual machines on like a laptop or desktop, which is like a cute use case, but like not nearly as cool as like running fifty virtual machines on like a big a big server. Um, But yeah, just absolutely fearsome sales organization that kind of came out of there. really fantastic like engineering diaspora as well so just like you know a a great kind of like uh, seed seeding of the industry if you will yes um so moving to to honestly.com
1: so you go through this journey (laughs) as a founder and you know my understanding is honestly was focused a little bit on like reputation management um you describe it as a big hairy idea that ultimately led to talent bin and i definitely want to spend a little bit of time on talent bin but maybe tell us about um the experience of um going big and then and then sort of landing where it landed and using that as like the launching pad for the next thing
2: yeah i think so honestly.com just to kind of give folks like a, a kind of a quick elevator pitch on it the the idea there was um you know that there was a an, an opportunity for portable reputation of a professional nature, <clears throat> you know, kind of like Yelp or Glassdoor, but instead of it being about like what it's like to work at a business or you know what this restaurant is like or what this hairdresser is like or what have you, is it was more about um, what it's like to work with this person and what have you. Um, obviously, very co- <laughs> a very controversial idea. Um, which is funny because like, you know, I think there were a lot of lessons that kind of came out of it. Very controversial idea. Um, But ultimately, like, that wasn't the problem. The problem was like, nobody gave a shit. (laughs) It was just a bad idea, right? It was like, like, it was one of those things. So Josh Kopelman um, is, uh, you know, the founder of First Round Capital. He's got this really great blog post called uh, the Domino Rally Business Model, where it's one of those things where, you know, um, oftentimes like, entrepreneurs fall into this this trap of like wouldn't it be cool if and they imagine this like future vision of like the the world without kind of thinking about like what are the steps that we're going to take in order to get there and like can the like will the first step work on the path to getting there because if it's not gonna you're not gonna get there right and so like the biggest problem with honestly.com was not like everyone it was like super controversial and like we were on the Today show and all this like insane stuff And people were like, oh my God, it's going to be Bedlam. It's going to be crazy. And like, it just was like, it was just crickets, right? Because ultimately, like, there are a number of problems associated with the idea that, you know, Yelp, you know, a a restaurant or a hairdresser has like hundreds of clients, right? Like, so you only need, if you want, if you need to get like 10 reviews or 20 reviews, like your hit rate is, doesn't have to be very high in order to do that. Same with like Glass door, working at a, a company or whatever. If you think about the number of humans that a given it, like an individual works with, it's like not super large, unless of course like you're a salesperson, right? But even then, it's like so that's the first problem. And the second problem is like people hate to write. <laughs> people hate to like create content, right? Um, and and this is why you see things like you know Instagram is so successful or Snapchat is so successful. A because they get the social di- dynamics correctly, but also like the, the like the overhead associated with creating content is literally just take a picture
0: yeah, makes, <laughs> makes perfect sense. And as you went on to talent bin, um, like talk to us a little bit about like it, 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 like what you learned from your first journey that you think you brought over to Talent bin, or do you think it was just a, it was just a better idea? That's why it worked. Uh- no
2: i I think it was well i think with talent bin we actually did entrepreneurship the the correct way which is as opposed to saying like wouldn't it be cool if we started with a problem that we were trying to solve and then unpack like okay what were the mechanisms by which to do that right so so talent bin was the same cap table as honestly.com so we raised i forget how much we raised raised like you know one or two million dollars from first round capital and charles river ventures for honestly.com and then um you know like six months later like nine months later we pivoted out of honestly.com and we were like okay cool like back to the drawing board and we're like okay well we're like part of the way like part of the problem that we're attacking here is like how to help organizations hire better but rather than it being like down funnel of like hey is this somebody that i want to work with well what about like the up funnel so like, can we identify talented people? Can we engage with them, et cetera? And so, we actually just we we did the work that you're supposed to do, like from an entrepreneurship standpoint, that like Eric Ries and Steve Blank talk about in their various books, so Lean Startup or Startup Owners Manuals, in the case of Steve Blank. And we're like, we did customer development interviews, right? We talked with people and we're like, cool, like, what's your biggest problem right now associated with um associated with recruiting? So we talked with like you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of heads of recruiting and what have you. And, and like, like very quickly it became obvious that people are like, well, you know, we have challenges around like identifying people based on their skill sets on LinkedIn. This was about a decade ago. So LinkedIn hadn't gotten um the kind of skill tagging flywheel going yet. So there there's a really big problem associated with like um, profile recall on on LinkedIn. Like you'd have title information but not skill profile information, particularly important for engineering. Uh, candidates. So that was a really big problem. And then the secondary big problem is like, yeah, you know, even if we can identify these people, like getting into contact with them is really tough because nobody pays attention to their LinkedIn messages, et cetera, especially engineers. Oh, okay. Well, how do you, how do you do that? Like, how do you solve that right now? Oh, well, like, you know, we mainly go through GitHub. We manually go through Stack Overflow. We try to go through Meetup, you know, things. And then we try to like find their email address using a variety of ways. Oh, okay. Interesting. Well, what if we crawled all that? data and like, you know, combined it into a, into a profile. So you could search that. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. That would save me a ton of time. Like I wouldn't have to manually go through GitHub, which is not designed for this. Okay, cool. Like we'll go ahead and prototype that and see if it's useful for you and like actually makes you faster. Oh my gosh, look at this. The engineers respond to their emails. Like not all of them, but like way more than LinkedIn. Okay, well, sounds like, like we've got a 10 X way, a better way of doing this. Great. Like, so that I mean, that's like how you're supposed to do high-tech entrepreneurship. Start with the problem, think about how you can like, you know start with the problem, figure out like what the existing solutions are, why they're unsatisfactory how big the problem is, all those sort of things. And then see if you can use your, uh, you know, your creativity to kind of like fit technology up against that in a way that that's going to make that like 10 X better for that, for that person. And then charge them for that.
0: Hey, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a win-win combo. I actually did not realize talent been came as a result of the honesty thing. I didn't realize it was a pivot, um, totally. but, With that said, one of the things I've really admired um, about you, Pete, from from the sidelines is some of the folks that have gone on over the years um, where on paper at the time that you hired them weren't the most obvious candidates have gone on to do some exceptional things for some amazing companies, uh, whether it's as a head of sales, some of them as a CEO, some of them as a founder. So talk to us a little bit about like, what's your framework? What's your strategy about like recruiting, onboarding, coaching, training, some of these folks, because I, I, like, if you do it once, I'm like, okay, maybe that person's getting unlucky, but if you've done it a dozen times, that's a different, (laughs) that's a different playbook. So share us a little bit about your wisdom there. Yeah, for sure.
2: And I, um, I I think all of this, um, like this, this kind of came out of my experience at talent where we're kind of like making it up as we, as we went along, but I think a lot of it really just kind of keys off of the thing. I, the joke I was saying earlier to Robbie about like if you combine like process excellence with like human excellence, um, whether that's like teaching people, like teaching people but teaching them in a, in a process excellence fashion to like make them more successful, or managing people but managing them in a process process excellent uh, capacity, or or recruiting people and doing it in a process excellent way. Um, that allows you to authenticate, Acumen, and, and what have you. So I think that there's a couple of things there. One is from a recruiting standpoint. Um, I've always been a really big fan of what I like to call um, job simulation. Um, and essentially, what that is is it's like don't tell me, like don't tell me what you're good at. Don't tell me that you know, like your story is about X, Y, Z. Show me. And I think this is something that you can um, that sales really kind of like lends itself to. But even like outside of sales, like don't don't tell me, um, like don't don't try to you know figure out if somebody has like high attention to detail by like trying to figure out if they have typos in their resume or whatever. Like, give them a written intake, give them a dozen a dozen questions for them to answer like in a Google Doc, and and see if like do they actually execute on it. You'd be shocked. Fifty percent of people don't actually execute on a written intake. Like, cool, you just dodged a bullet. Like, do they half-ass it? Right? Is it like one-word answers? Is it full of typos? So and you can apply those like to a written intake, to a sales simulation from a you know disco and demo standpoint. So that's one of the 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 things that we, we started doing kind of early on. And then you know, I think a, I'm a big fan of um uh, Bill Walsh, the the 49ers uh, Stanford football coach and then uh 49ers football coach. I wrote a great book called The The Score Takes Care of Itself. And so one of the things that Bill Walsh would always talk about is like this notion of like the standard of excellence, right? Um, And the reason why it's really important is because like it's very difficult to control outcomes. And this is very, this is really related to sales management and also data-driven sales management. It's very difficult to control outcomes, but what you can do is you can control inputs. Um, and, and so if you control those inputs and you make sure that you're engaging in a high, like a high quantity of high quality, um, execution, whether it's like, you're the right guard on the offensive line. And literally all you do is just like block the hell out of your dude every single time on every single snap, you just block the hell out of your dude and you do it really good every time. Or, you know, if you're an SDR and literally all you do is like every time you start a sequence you just do a really great job on that first touch right or as an account executive like you know before your meeting you do a good job of pre-call planning and so i think that by um it's kind of like it's like the steve jobs thing of like you know paint behind the refrigerator nobody's gonna see it but like you know you're gonna know and so if you can instill that culture what it does it just makes it such that people aren't going through the emotion and so like you combine you filter good talent coming in like the way that we were describing and then you put them in a gymnasium environment like that with other like-minded folks and then just you know and then everybody kind of holds each other accountable and you end up with like a championship team. And so yeah, and you're totally right Poya like I mean the folks who have come out of Talent Bin are just like I mean they're just like total ass kickers it's amazing. And I'm really looking forward to that being the case with with Atrium as well because in our case like to use the Talent Bin example like you know, um Rob Perez is the is the VP of sales at Security pal. and like he used to be like the head of the West Coast sales organization at Drift, and he was the first sales leader at Chorus. and like Pukar Hamal, who was a bDr at um at Bin and then an AE there, runs Security pal. and like Manny Ortega was the first sales ops guy at uh out out, outreach and now he like runs sales operations at redis labs and he's like a total killer and then brad snyder is the his vp of commercial sales over at redis labs so like even though it was like kind of we never really got to scale because we got acquired by monster in 2014 before the organization was too big but like it's you know it's definitely a mighty little uh mighty little squad and this is something i'm really excited about as relates to atrium because in our case you know we make data driven sales management software and so literally all my account executives do is like spend all day long selling sales management excellence to sales managers and so like like we are the sales excellence organization not just from a software standpoint and but I'm really looking forward to like I've implemented that same um, standard of excellence and kind of like mutually accountable culture here and my you know my my hypothesis is that you know fast forward 10 years from now and there's going to be this like crazy atrium sales management like coaching tree in diaspora because of that like gymnasium behavior crossed with the fact that like literally what we do is we like we we sell sales management excellence right data driven sales management excellence obviously there's a lot more to manage management than there's sales management than just you know the data component to it but it's like a non-trivial component yeah
0: 100 percent so uh I, I know we're almost at time, but I have to ask this oh. question. So uh, we've had Rhonda Larson on this show who was our sales ops leader when I was at Hacker Inc. And uh, poor Rhonda, when she joined, she was trying to implement these Processes that made the organization better. And me, as the stubborn AE, pushed back consistently. (laughs) Fast forward, uh, I move into management and I'm like, why the heck did I have this belief? Right. And this happens all the time. I'm not the only person. Right. Um, So, I guess, what have you seen work really well when you're trying to put these data driven best practices or or healthy practices, I should say? Um, But it, the individual contributors don't always know right and the and the answer can't be like, Hey, let's move him into a leadership role because not everybody should go into a leadership role, so I'm curious what have you seen work really well to make that time to value of like mm-hmm. shoring that sales cycle from your experience
2: yeah, I think the the i mean it's the age old- qu- question of sales right like uh i don't know w i f m what's in it for me. <laughs> So like what's 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 in it for the for the rep there, right? And so, you know, this is why when people say like, oh, yo, the CRM is like useless for the AE or whatever, it's only for a management tool. So that's actually like total bullshit. You're just using it wrong, right? So one of the things we like to say is that like a CRM can be, um, you know, a to-do list, a report card, or a or a crystal ball. You know, AEs don't really care about the crystal ball component of it for like forecasting. They like, they don't really care about it from a um a report card standpoint. Like we as managers care about it from a report card standpoint, like scorecarding and you doing data-driven sales management. But AEs really care about it from a to-do list standpoint. Like, hey man, here's your like 40 ops right now, and here are the 10 that you haven't touched in like seven days. Oh damn. <laughs> right? Like and and the same data that apply or like, hey man, you know, you're um your customer-facing meeting volume is off as compared to like all of your peers in the trailing thirty days. Like that's gonna bite you, right? Like let's get ahead of that. Um, and so if you can, you can. And this is why we describe Atrium as data-driven sales management software that literally exists to help managers use data to improve team performance. And the way that you improve rep and team performance is by changing behavior on issues before they become big problems. And so, you know, that's just the crux of management. So if you can make it clear to folks like, hey, this is going to make you successful because we all agree that you should probably be in touch with these 10 opportunities right here that you haven't been touched in 15 days. Like, this is a non-controversial claim. Cool, and then moreover, (laughs) right? We should be concerned about the fact that like, you're not engaging in sufficient prospecting activity here. Like, and that's gonna hose you this far out because look at the, look at the relationship with everybody else. Oh, okay. Got it. Right.
1: Yeah. No, it's well said, Pete, this is, um, it's, it's a good synopsis too, just of like how much you've given, I think to the community from the companies you've started, the communities you've built, the book you wrote, what you're working on now today. So much of it comes from personal experience and you've always had this kind of this position of like give first and, and ask later. And I think that's also just like a big part of your personality. Um, we've got, I've got a hundred more questions I'd love to ask, <laughs> but um, but we always like to finish with with one specific question. And I'd love to ask you this one because you've had um, such an interesting journey through entrepreneurship and these companies you've built and started and played a part in, um, and also in like the education realm as well, which probably goes all the way back to your mom and and just kind of <laughs> how you grew up and how important that was in the household. And the question is like, if you were to go back in time, um, you know, maybe walk out to the diamond when you're on the pitching mound in, in uh, Orange <laughs> County and like give yourself a piece of advice, looking back on the journey, what's, what's like one piece of advice, something you'd tell your younger self.
2: Yeah, I think in general, the as I've gotten older, the thing I've appreciated more and more is like a start, just start, right? Like, but have a bias to, to action as much as possible. Um, and like, I talk about this as relates to, you know, getting a data-driven sales management, like harness in place, like, oh, man, we got to talk about all the metrics. No, man, just start counting meetings. Just start counting meetings on a whiteboard. Just start, right? Or... Oh man, I want to write a book someday. Oh, okay. Well, like, just write the first, like, write the first chapter. Here, open a Google Doc right now. Just like, start, start writing, or like, you know, outline it. Just start. And I think a lot of the times we, um, we kind of like get head faked over. Like, we get wrapped around the axle about like what that thing could potentially look like in the future. Like, oh, it's gonna be good enough or whatever. But like, if you don't just, if you just, if you don't just start, it's highly unlikely that you're gonna get there. And then, moreover, you'd be shocked. That like when you just start, just start writing that email, just start, you know, XYZ, you'd be shocked how like now you're like, oh, this is easy. Right. And then also I'm pot committed. I've kind of like screwed myself into like, oh, I can't give up now. So I think that that's it. Like the more people can have a bias that towards actions, whether from an entrepreneurship standpoint, sales management, um, or even just you know, sellers or what have you, the better off you are. Well said. Um, just start. I love it. Pete, this has been super fun.
1: Um, totally, we're gonna put we're gonna put the uh, your contact in the show notes. We'll put a link to your um, to your LinkedIn and Twitter, to Atrium, um, to MFP, to kind of everything you're doing and a part of. But um, yeah, just thanks again for joining us. This
2: was really fun. It was super delightful. Thanks, gentlemen.
0: CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. Today's CFO is critical to the strategy and success of the business, and in growing companies there are two kinds of CFOs. One, struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes, errors, and lack of visibility into the number. It takes two weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated, automated reports, inventory, e-commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. Insights coming with the click of a button. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com scale for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com scale. I love that sound. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving entrepreneurs such as myself the resources once reserved for big business. Customize it for your needs with a great-looking online store that brings your ideas to life and gives you the tools to manage your day-to-day and drive that revenue up. I love how easy they make it for anyone to successfully run their business. Every 28 seconds, a small business owner is making their first sale on Shopify. Get started by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience needed. Go to shopify.com scale, all lowercase for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today. Go to shopify.com scale right now. That is shopify.com slash scale. That is shopify.com slash scale.